Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Kyle the Kaiju Guy. As always, I would like to encourage you to go give me a like and follow on any of my social media platforms that I have on Facebook. I am Kaiju Carnage slash a Godzilla slash, I mean, uh, Godzilla slash King Kong podcast. On Instagram, it's my personal account. It is Cal Woodman, K-A-L as in Superman, Kal-L, Cal Woodman, Kaiju Carnage. On Reddit, I am r slash kaiju underscore carnage. On Twitter, I am Cal the Kaiju Guy. And on TikTok, I am Cal the Kaiju Guy. So go give me a like and or follow or whatever on any of those platforms so that you can follow me for all of your kaiju updates, news, anything like that. And speaking of kaiju updates, I've got two that I'd like to go on ahead and make an announcement here that I found out within the last week. Uh, I also posted them to my social media accounts, but I'm going to go on ahead and announce them here. Uh, the first one is pretty much everyone knows the TV show uh, SSSS Gridman, which is a anime remake slash reboot of the live action show that came out in the 90s that was called Gridman the Hyper Agent. And there's an anime show of it. Well, there was a spin-off show of that that's in a shared universe that was called SSSS Dynazenon. I believe that's how you pronounce it. I have yet to watch that show. But a uh, big announcement. You know, everyone had been waiting what was going to be next for that particular shared universe or that franchise or anything like that. And they have announced a feature-length movie, uh, an animated movie. That will feature Gridman and Dinozenon. So I'm very excited about that film to be coming out. Um, you know, I've been a Gridman fan for most of my life. I'm very happy about, you know, Gridman getting some more love and attention here lately. I've already, I've got figures of Gridman. I mean, like old classic figures that whenever I had, whenever I was a kid, because they did a, <coughs> pardon me. Um, kind of like what they did with, uh, Super Sentai and Power Rangers. You know, there was Super Sentai over in Japan, and then they did an American production where they filmed brand new scenes and all of that kind of stuff, but then used stock footage from the Japanese show to come up with Power Rangers and all of that. Well, they pretty much did the same exact thing, uh, with Gridman. It was Gridman, the hyper agent over there in Japan. Then over here, they reshot some scenes featuring American cast members and all of that kind of stuff, and then would use uh, stock footage from the Japanese show to fill it in. And uh, the American version of the show, the SSSS, stands for, um, oh, what was it? <laughs> like Super, like Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, or something like that. And, um, it was called, so it was called that and then Gridman and, you know, they released some action figures of it and all that kind of stuff. And so I scooped up some of the figures. I watched a pretty good deal of the episodes and all of that. So I was a big fan. So I'm very happy that Gridman is getting some love and attention that he is here lately. And another big announcement, something that I am far more excited about is that for the first time in 
both franchises' history, and it's it's very strange to me that it's taken them as long to do this crossover as it has. We are going to get to see, in comic book form, Godzilla versus the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I'm super excited about that. It's the original group of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. You know, Tommy, Jason, Kimberly, you know, that the whole the whole batch. Tommy is still the uh the Green Ranger on one of the covers. Uh, it shows Godzilla and the Dragon Zord facing off, so being able to possibly see Godzilla and the Dragon Zord go head to head, I'm I'm very excited about it and yeah, I just wanted to uh I just wanted to make that announcement before I uh, get started on today's episode. So today's episode is actually a show that I've talked about previously in other episodes of the podcast, which I've had very little exposure to uh, throughout my life. And it is on the 1966 show Ultra Q, which is the very first entry in the Ultra series and... Uh, I'll get more into that later on in the episode, but you know, like I said, I've never really had any exposure to the Ultra series. It's not that I was willingly avoiding it, it's just, you know, I've told you guys about the area that I live in, things like that just coming on TV, it was very limited, it just, it generally did not happen. Like, all growing up, you know, I got to see Godzilla movies whenever I would go to a hotel or something. Never got to see Ultraman or anything like that. And so, it was just... I had never even seen a Godzilla film on, like, my regular TV at home. Just going through channels, even though we only had, like, three channels. We had, like, you know, Channel 5, which was NBC. Uh, Channel 25, which was PBS and uh 31 which was abc and that's all that's all we had growing up so ultraman just i was never able to watch it i was never able to have access to be able to watch it and after i got grown you know and started buying the godzilla movies and things like that ultraman just wasn't even really on my radar, I keep saying Ultraman, I'm really meaning the Ultra series, because uh, that today's episode is on Ultra Q, that does not feature Ultraman. And, um, <clears throat> so yeah, it just wasn't even on my radar. I never messed with it, I never had seen a single episode of it, or anything. It had gotten to the point where I'd begin to hear about it, but that's about as far as it went. So, I've known for quite some time that, well, you know, I need to get into the Ultra series. I need to start, you know, brushing up on my knowledge and figuring things out with it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, started collecting some figures. I have, like, the first five series of uh, the Ultra series on Blu-ray. I've got a few of the movies on Blu-ray. I'm watching way more on my Amazon account because... Guys, I'm I'm a completist. It's just how I am. Once I bought Ultra Q, and that was the very first series that I bought. I bought it at uh, Walmart pretty much right then and there. I was like, even if I think this, this show is terrible. Even if I think that Ultraman is terrible and I can't hardly watch it. I'm going to get the full collection because that's just the kind of guy I am. That's, you know, 
once I start a collection, I finish that collection. So yeah, I've got I've got about seven media collections of Ultraman or you know the Ultra series right now, and I'm watching way more on eBay and on Amazon, and I'm going to slowly be uh, accumulating those over the next few months, possibly year or something like that. But um, so. Leading up to this episode, like I always do, you know, whenever I do a movie, I like to record. I mean, I like to watch the movie. Then while the movie's on, I'm taking my notes and all of that kind of stuff. And then I record pretty much immediately after. So all this week I broke out Ultra Q and I'm like, okay, it's, it's 28 episodes. You know, I'm not going to be able to just flat out binge this you know, trying to work a full-time job and, you know, it being the holiday season and all that. So let me just break this out over the week and everything. And so I have watched Ultra Q and I've got to say, I'm, <clears throat> I'm very upset with myself that it has taken me this long to give this franchise a shot. Like I enjoyed Ultra Q like there was no tomorrow. I was glued to the TV. Not on every episode. There were some episodes that was, you know, kind of like, I'm like, yeah, well, whatever. But I was heavily invested in the kaiju episodes. And so I was, I'm done with Ultra Q. Um, not even going to wait to where it's going to be time for me to do an episode on like Ultraman or Ultra 7 or the return of Ultraman or anything like that. I'm just going to start watching the episodes. I'm <laughs> like, I mean, I can't help it. I'm gonna. And so, uh, yeah, guys, I slept on this franchise for far too long, but like I said, you know, it just, it was always out of my reach. Uh, prior to watching this show, I, um, I subscribed to a few subreddits on Ultraman on Reddit. I, uh, followed a few Ultraman accounts on Facebook and everything, and I would see people's opinions, and they would talk about this particular kaiju or that particular kaiju. I already, like, have a few kaiju that I really, really like of the, uh, in the Ultra series <clears throat> and all of that, so, uh, I'm getting there, and trust me, fellas, with how I, with how I am, that whenever I jump into something new and I just completely immerse myself in that new thing, it's not going to take me very long to be very well versed on the Ultra series. Like, you know, while I'm going to be watching the show, I'm probably going to be on on Wikipedia, IMDb, uh, Wikizilla and all that kind of stuff learning anything I can about certain kaiju and certain characters and all that kind of stuff. And I can promise you that probably within a year, people would have no idea I've only been a fan of the franchise for a year or something like that. So yeah, guys, that, that pretty much is, uh, <clears throat> that pretty much does it for my announcements and for the intro and all that kind of stuff. So let's jump right into the episode. Now, Ultra Q, this TV show was done by Subaraya Productions. You would know that name because I've talked about Subaraya Productions numerous times um, over the course of my show because they were, they handled a pretty good deal of stuff with the Showa era Godzilla films. And it was also created by Eiji 
Subaraya, I believe that's how you pronounce his first name. Um, so it was created by A.G. Subaraya, and he was the main special effects director for a pretty good chunk of uh, Showa-era Godzilla films. So this guy knew what he was doing. He had the right connections. Like So whenever he decided he wanted to do a show, like it immediately was just about going to be a, a success just because of what he was able to accomplish with the, uh, the Godzilla franchise, the fact that there was a big monster boom that was going on at the time of this coming out. Uh, you know, Godzilla was in full swing. Gamera uh, was uh, starting to get up off its feet and all of that kind of stuff. So, like, there there wasn't much room for failure for, uh, for Ultra Q whenever it was going to begin. And the first season consisted of 28 episodes, and each episode, each episode was, give or take, 24 minutes long. As I said, this was the first series in the Ultra series. This does not have Ultraman in the show. And I knew that coming in. Like, for those of you that may not know, uh... Ultraman, like, Ultra Q is really not connected to the overall Ultra series. It is the first in the Ultra series just because it's an Ultra Q and it is the launching pad of the entire franchise and all that kind of stuff. But as far as story-wise and continuity and all of that, it's not connected to the rest of the Ultra series. As a matter of fact, it stands on its own as its own separate thing to where, and I'll get into later on towards the end of the episode, that it actually, <clears throat> there are, it's created its own franchise. There's been an Ultra Q movie and uh, a couple of other Ultra Q series since then. One of them is considered to be a direct sequel to this show that I'm talking about today. So... It may be the first in the Ultra series, but it is not connected to the Ultraman continuity in the Ultra series. And it's it's definitely its own thing. So, pretty much how this all came about is that Subaraya, like I said, he was the main special effects director at Toho. And he decided that he wanted to come up with his own production company because he wanted more freedom. Whenever he would work with Toho and all of that kind of stuff, he was literally working for Toho and his hands were tied in a lot of things. They would say, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. So he decided to create his own production company so that he could basically call the shots. He could decide, you know, he's the production company. He's the one that's producing the movie that's being made. He would have a little bit more fight in him to be able to say, no, we're not going to do that. Or we're not going to do this. He wanted more freedom and so that's why he formed Subaraya Productions in 1963. Ultra Q ended up becoming its first in-house production. And there were some people that was like, eh, you know, it was, it's going to be just a syndicated TV show. <clears throat> like, yeah, Subaraya is over it, but how is it really going to measure up with some of the other science fiction slash horror films that Japan was putting out at the time. But like I said, Subaraya was the main special effects director at Toho. 
the guy knew what he was doing and he was about to prove to everybody he knew that he was doing that he knew what he was doing so whenever the show came out it kind of blew people away the production level that the show was on that it was on par with the Godzilla films and other science fiction and horror films that were coming out and so that's part of the reason why the show was such a success because it wasn't just this little itty bitty small budget science fiction show and everything like this was a pretty decently budgeted and looked very very good for television and it was just little 24 minute episodes so yeah everyone was pretty impressed with it and that's part of the reason why it uh it had such success now as far as the theme and the feel of the show and all of that kind of stuff this show was originally supposed to be more like, um, it was supposed to be a mystery and it was supposed to be more like the twilight zone or, uh, the outer limits. But like I mentioned just a little while ago, there was a big monster boom that was going on in Japan. The Godzilla franchise was in full swing. Gamera was beginning to get into full swing few other little, you know, monster movies were being made here and there and all that kind of stuff. So the uh, broadcasting system that was going to air this show, it's called TBS, not to be confused with Turner Broadcasting System. This TBS was Tokyo Broadcasting System. And they were the ones that was going to be airing Ultra Q. And they wanted Tsuburaya to put kaiju into the show originally there was going to be very little to no kaiju in the show but they wanted him to put kaiju into the show for ratings they felt that because of the big monster boom that it would you know having kaiju in the show it would help more so he some of the episodes are kaiju centered while as some of them are not and <clears throat> Um, after the show had already been on air for a little while, TBS actually did a survey, uh, which basically showed, well, who, like, which type of episodes do y'all like more? Do you like the kaiju episodes more, or do you like, like, the ghosts and the aliens and things like that? And the survey was overwhelmingly in favor of the kaiju, primarily from children, because... You know, like I said, they were fully invested in the uh, Godzilla franchise at the time of this show coming out in 1966. We're talking Godzilla was already beginning to make his transition. And, uh, he was already like a good guy, basically, at this point in time. Uh, let's see, 1966, King Kong versus Godzilla came out in 1962. So at this point in time, they were probably on like um, Invasion of Astro Monster. No, I think that came out in 67. Uh, so they were on Godzilla, uh, Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, which was pretty much Godzilla's first turn, like full turn into being a good guy. And so children were very, very, very into this show, but they were more into the kaiju-centered parts of the show and not the aliens or ghosts or just some of the more mysterious strange episodes that they would come out with and trust me there are some strange episodes in this in this show <clears throat> but uh 
Some, some of them are strange, but you just, you feel pulled in. Like, you just can't look away. Like, uh, the episode, uh, Grow Up Mr. Turtle, I believe is what it was called. That was such a weird episode, like, centered on this kid's turtle, and the turtle would grow big, and it was able to go through walls, and he would, like, be transported into an alternate dimension and all that kind of stuff. It was very strange, but I, I was hooked. I, could, I couldn't look away the whole time it was on, and it's uh, it was definitely memorable. I'll give it that. Like uh, It's definitely the, the standout episode of the show to me. It's the one that'll stay in my memory the most. So um, I, I would say it's one of my favorites of the, um, of the series. So basically, they find out that Kaiju is more popular with the show, and I'll get, get into that more later on. So, this show kind of follows the structure of the X-Files. It follows the same, like, main cast of characters, and it's just about them encountering different, uh, like, supernatural, paranormal phenomena that's going on. And they're trying to figure out, well, how can we stop this? Or what happened here? Like, they deal with kaiju... They deal, like I said, with ghosts. They deal with aliens. Like, they deal with all kinds of stuff. It's it's like the X-Files, basically. And, um... <clears throat> so, it follows that structure. And the show... It originally was not going to be called Ultra Q. It, uh, its original title was going to be Unbalanced. And the reason that it was changed to Ultra Q was because... The word ultra in Japan at the time was, it had gained popularity because of a Japanese competitor that won the gold medal at the 1964 Olympics just two years before this show actually came out. By the way, the show was being shot in 1965, so uh, Japan winning the gold medal in gymnastics was still very, you know, very, very fresh. And the technique that was used to win the gold medal was something called Ultra C. So, the word Ultra <clears throat> had just gained popularity at that point in time. You know, they used it to describe things. They used it as an adjective and all that kind of stuff. So, they said, well, if Ultra is pretty popular, let's go on ahead and just use that word and throw it in there as well. And the Q simply stands for question. So, basically... The show stands for, the show is Ultra Question. That's uh, basically what it stands for. Now, whenever they were making the show, <clears throat> because of Subaraya's standing with Toho, uh, this worked out very, very well for him, uh, Toho was very open to just letting him use any of their props, anything that they had. They basically was like, if you want to use it, you, you just come get it, and you can use it. And we see a pretty good... He had no problem using a pretty good chunk of their uh, their props uh, in, in the show. Uh, we definitely see a pretty good chunk of it. Uh, many of the Toho Kaiju suits were restructured and reused in this show for brand new Kaiju. Some of them are far more obvious than others. But um, not only were some of the props used, 
but lots and lots and lots of the special effects that were used. Like whenever you're watching this show, you just hear certain special effects that have become synonymous with Showa era Godzilla films and all of that kind of stuff. And it's, it's kind of weird to hear the same special effects in a entirely different show that I had never seen before. Um, some of them, you know, I'm like, okay, I can get it. Like it's a uh, helicopter sound effects or, you know, mechanical sound effects or something like that. But they actually gave a kaiju, uh, very early on in the show. I believe it was like episode five or something like that. They gave a kaiju Godzilla's roar and that just didn't, it just didn't look right. Like, you're sitting there watching the show, and you see this kaiju that looks absolutely 100% nothing like Godzilla. And it opens up its mouth, and it has the Godzilla roar. It's just like, no, you stop that. You stop that right now. How dare you use that iconic roar? Like, who? you're nothing, little random kaiju. Like, don't you ever use that roar again. And so, yeah, so a lot of props were used. A lot of sound effects were used. And a lot of the Godzilla actors that were, had been being featured in the Godzilla films, they came over and would have starring roles or guest appearance roles in this show. Like, it's just, it, it was really fun to be sitting there and watching this, this show. And like every single episode, something would happen. I'd be like, Hey, that guy's from the original Gojira. And then, you know, the next episode, that guy's from King Kong versus Godzilla. You know, it, it was cool uh, trying to point them out and, and find those actors and all that kind of stuff. Now, a lot of the costumes or suits that were reused, um, I've got a list. <laughs> Godzilla, a Godzilla suit, uh, the one that they used in... Godzilla versus Mothra, or Mothra versus Godzilla. Uh, Mothra came first in the uh, in the uh, top billing for the original Mothra versus Godzilla. It became Godzilla versus Mothra in the Heisei era. But in Mothra versus Godzilla, that suit, uh, the Masu Goji suit, they used it, restructured it, and everything for the pilot episode for the kaiju by the name of Gomez, and. I really liked that kaiju. Like, pretty much as soon as he was on screen, I was like, that's a Godzilla suit. You know, it's it's very, very obvious that it's a Godzilla suit. So, you know, I saw it, and I was like, that's pretty cool. I ended up really, really liking uh, that particular kaiju of the show. Uh, probably ended up being my favorite kaiju of this particular series of Ultra Q. And uh, I'm going to try and track down a figure of him one day in the future. And yes, I know that there's another kaiju that shows up way later in the, um, in the franchise that is obviously much, much more of a Godzilla ripoff. Um, but I'll get to that, you know, whenever I'll cross that bridge, whenever, uh, whenever I get to it. But anyway, the King Kong suit, uh, that was used for, uh, Toho Productions and everything, that ended up becoming the giant monkey in episode 2, Gora. Uh, the Baragon suit ended up becoming Pagos. Rodan ended up becoming two different kaiju that was uh, in this show. And that is Litra that ended up fighting Gomez in the pilot episode and also the kaiju 
Largius, Largeus, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how to, <laughs> how to pronounce his name. And then the Manda show ended up becoming the dragon Kairu, Kairu, and also his head was used as the front portion of a Viking ship that was uh, in the show as well. So yeah, there were lots of different suits that were used uh, in Ultra Q that had come from Toho. Now, you know, that. in all honesty, guys, that's about all that I've got on Ultra Q. Like, I couldn't find a whole lot of different things, you know, as far as production and all of that kind of stuff to really talk about. Um, at the time that this show was made, it ended up becoming the most expensive TV show in Japanese history. And obviously it was dethroned later, but yeah. Uh, that's, that's part of the reason why it was so successful. Like I talked about before that the production value was very, very high. Um, they pretty much spared no expense whenever it came to doing the special effects and all of that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, the most expensive Japanese show at the time. And as far as its legacy goes, you know, in 1990, there was a, a movie that was released called Ultra Q, the movie Legend of the Stars. And then in 2004, we got another TV show that was called Ultra Q Dark Fantasy. And then in 2013, we got Neo Ultra Q. So yeah, it may not be connected to Ultraman. And it absolutely stands on its own. And it's pretty much become its own separate little franchise in its own right. And I think that's pretty cool. So yeah, guys, I really enjoyed the show. I really did. Um... Way more than I expected it to, uh, than I expected uh, to enjoy it, you know. But, uh, you know, I'm done with Ultra Q. I'm very excited to jump more into the uh, the Ultraman franchise and start delving into that. I will make my way through that franchise and, uh, you know, watch all of the episodes and all of the movies and everything. So that whenever I go to tackle more Ultraman related content... I'll be far more well-versed on it than I currently am. So, alrighty, guys, that pretty much does it. Now, uh, announcements for new episodes that's coming up. Uh, Christmas is right here upon us, guys. You know, it will be uh, next week, a week from today at the time of this recording. So, my next official episode, like Kaiju episode, I'm actually going to release either Tuesday or Wednesday. And it's going to be the final Showa-era Godzilla film that I have not yet done. And it's going to be on All Monsters Attack that came out in 1969. And the reason why I'm doing that one on a Tuesday or a, win a Tuesday or Wednesday is because this month's Kaiju Carnage Presents I'm actually releasing on Christmas Day because this month's Kaiju Carnage Presents is going to be on the stop-motion Christmas classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And before anybody sits there and be like, there's not a kaiju film. The Bumble, I think, is a pretty good, you know, example of a kaiju. He's big. He's a monster. Like, you know, technically, I could say that this is a kaiju film. So, you know, there's that. But, yeah, I just wanted to, you know, I love that cartoon. I love the, uh, the stop-motion animation of it. I love many of the characters. I've been a fan of that uh, particular special my entire life i can't remember a time that i had not seen the um 
the uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So I'm very excited to get into that one and tell you guys like how the stop motion was done and you know and all that kind of stuff uh if you don't want to listen to it that's fine i get it like i said it's just a kaiju carnage presents and i'm releasing it christmas day by no means is it an official episode of mine that deals with kaiju or anything i just you know i love that cartoon it's a christmas cartoon i'm gonna release it on christmas it's a, it's a christmas special episode and all of that so i hope you guys are looking forward to that and then the following Saturday, I'm going to be doing, it's not on a movie. It's going to be a two-part mega episode. It's basically going to be kind of like a spotlight, but it's going to be on Godzilla. And I'll do one part of it next Saturday, uh, the Saturday after next, and then the next part that following Saturday. And it's going to be called Showa Era, The Rise and Fall of Godzilla. And basically, I'm going to take it movie by movie and talk about how, you know, how the franchise was getting, gaining traction and getting successful. And they just started going into the realm of ridiculous and they started slashing the budget. So to go from in the Showa era, which was Godzilla was one of the most profitable and legendary and iconic franchises of all time to became one of the most ridiculous, you know, nobody gave a hoot about it except for kids. And a lot of times even kids didn't really care for it. And it was having a hard time even, you know, in some cases even breaking even with the box office. And so I'm going to split that episode up into two parts. So Showa era, the rise and fall of Godzilla. But Alrighty guys, don't forget, Tuesday or Wednesday, all monsters attack, and I will catch you guys next time. I, this is Cal the Kaiju Guy, signing out.